I'm Rain Phoenix. Welcome to Launch Left Podcast. You can find us everywhere at Launch Left or launchleft.com. Don't forget to subscribe. Today's very special guest, Diamanda Gallas. If you have never heard of her, you're in for a treat. She's really one of the most powerful performance experimental artists. She's really carved her own and represented the underrepresented and brought up really important topics that we all tend to not want to think about. She has really changed music. It is my pleasure to introduce Miss Diamanda Gallas. Hello, Diamanda Gallas. What an absolute pleasure it is to meet you. A pleasure as well here. I, funny enough, I actually thought you were from Europe. Don't know what gave me that idea. Then I found out you're from San Diego and I was like, what? (laughs) The reason you might have thought that is because most of my performances have been in Europe and I've done residency programs in Europe before I imported everything to my own label, Intervenal Sound Operations, was Mute Records. And I think that in the future we'll do more work together. But in any case, I believe that's why. And also I'm Greek, so I feel an affiliation when I go to Greece and and Italy and Spain. It's a very close culturally. There's a lot of support for the arts in Europe. And there's also a better understanding of the subjects I've tackled. Because as H.G. Wells once said to Orson Wells, your work is very interesting, but the difference is that you've never been bombed. Hmm. We have. And there is something to be said for that, because in a country like this, which is a luxurious country to live in, there's very little hands-on knowledge of the most extreme sort of suffering. There is very little. And so... When a person deals with certain subjects to a very extreme degree, this is extreme by North American standard, but not by mine, then there tends to be very little interest. Do you think that also is part of why we don't face death and destruction very well? I don't know if that's just an American thing, but it seems like we're always trying to pretend we're not going to die. That's a very good point. I can definitely say that subject is so unpopular (laughs) here. It's a subject of great terror. And of course, it is a subject of great terror anywhere you go. I think that even in this country, you have the soldiers. If I think about the World War, the soldiers that were massively deformed facially in Europe, whether it be France whether it be England, whether it be Germany, and how they were treated, which was to be operated on, to go back to the front, to the back lines or the front lines, not to be operated out to be going back into society, but to go back on the lines to fight. That's why they were healed. They were repaired as one might repair, for example, in a very cursory manner, sort of thing as we look at that, then we can jump very easily and look at the situation with Vietnam vets who were treated like garbage. And then we can jump easily to the old nursing homes who were treated like, they were treated as invalids in the sense of the word invalid, as used as 
like this, invalid to society, disposable. Therefore, Cuomo could very easily say that persons who who were on the better side of COVID could very easily go into the nursing homes of people who no longer had immune systems, but had paid for years and years to be safe in a safe environment. These groups of people are all considered to be disposable. They feel their usefulness and now they're not useful. It doesn't matter how much they've paid to be safe, the older people. It doesn't matter how many years a soldier has served. It doesn't matter because when he comes home, he has no money. There's no provisions for him. Your record, Broken Gargoyles, deals pretty specifically with the story of those soldiers in Europe who were disfigured facially and put back on the front lines and treated like rejects in every way and treated horribly when they were integrated back into society as well. But there is a correlation between that and the other things you're speaking of, which is the idea that humans who don't pose a value to whatever dominant paradigm we're in, wherever we live, are considered useless or trash, as if the human spirit that lives in each of us is not part of the conversation. It's just, are they useful? Are they going to make money? Are they going to fight someone? Are they going to do what we want? It makes it feel very demonic. And so your record is so powerful in exercising some of those demons. Listening to your record, I transported to what it must have been like, the sense of madness and just cruelty that was heaped upon them. And to live in their mind, knowing that they had a soul that yearned for the things we all yearn for, but was stamped out by cruelty, was in many instances throughout the record, some of the ways that you vocalized and the sounds that were there to me felt like the madness that would come from that lack of care. That's a beautiful analysis, and I thank you for it. I really do. Thank you for making this record so powerful. And you've always done this. You've always stood up and represented the underrepresented. And you've always been unpopular for it. You know what I mean? In terms of yeah. you've had popularity, but there's, there's, you've carved your own niche because no one else will touch that niche because, again, you're representing the unwanted. Who's talking about that? Very few people. And you're doing it in such an innovative way. I've always felt when coming upon a particular paradigm they can recognize, to get involved in that research, that great amount of research, is very luxurious. I want to say that when you get involved in research about a particular subject, that is the first part. And it continues and continues long after the work has been done because it becomes this extreme interest on the part of the artists in theory. I think that's far more interesting than reading newspapers every day and discussing and and wanting to discuss a subject that seems to be discussable, that seems to be eminently discussed, and for that reason would make the work more saleable. That sounds like a, a really a dead end. I can't imagine living the short lifespans that humans have. I can't imagine it. Life is not long enough to waste time with it, it, such redundancies. It's just not long enough. I'm so curious about 
you know, how you came to be in a world that doesn't support you. My assumption is your parents were very supportive. Yes. And I'd love to know how you first found music. I've read that your dad was in music and he taught you piano. But in terms of that moment that music found you, that you knew that music would be your expression to talk about these subjects that you felt were more important with your short life to talk about than to follow a trajectory that Western music might suggest when music found you for you to be able to express these incredible, when did that happen? It would have been after my work with Winkle Globalcar in Paris, the composer on a piece whose story was taken from Amnesty International uh, concerning a Turkish woman arrested for treason and then tortured and then shot. It was made to look like a suicide, but it wasn't. So this work I was performing in as the as a soloist, as a soprano soloist, and the, the man Rinko made use of all the research I had done on the voice in the work. And he was known for composing very difficult pieces for soloists, very in point of fact. That piece, as well as working with Yanis Denakis later, both of them, they had a mark on me. We can start out, though, with Vinko's piece, because then after that, I went from doing solo pieces, but more specifically, the first was a piece concerning the junta in Greece and the torture of a Greek uh, student and citizens. After being in Europe for that period of time, I think that I saw things much differently than I had before. And after that, it was impossible to return. And it's wild to me how you took all the learning and music and all this beauty and melody that became a part of, you had this experience where you realized your voice can be the voice of this kind of, this darkness that no one wants to look at. And you can make yeah. art, you can make art that like actually tells those stories or an, uh, offers a kind of solace, even if it's energetically, right? They may not, no longer be here, but it's almost like you became this energy conduit to transform some of that horror and pain and suffering that happens behind closed doors and you brought it into the light. During this period of time, I famil had familiarized myself with the great Greek poets who had done this and had been exiled on Devil's Island. In Greece, there have been so many poets and so many composers that that directly discussed these things and were involved politically. And in Europe, the same thing. Uh, it's different. It's been different in America. A lot of times, the activists were not the artists. And the activists here were never in the kind of danger that the Greek activists were in. I mean, it's a very different reality here. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the element of risk. When I heard that some people recently went on some march <laughs> in the Ukraine that were from the United States discussing problems in the United States, I thought, are you people out of your minds? This is a genocidal country. It's been a genocide by the Russians against the Ukrainians for so many years has existed. And you guys think that there's those people give a fuck about America? Are you out of your minds? Mm. What hubris. 
what vanity it's a very different thing mm -hmm. and again i think that's probably why you might associate me with european composers because if you look at these populations these people have they have to live this every day and there's no question about it i have family in greece and it's never escapable Let's talk a little bit more about your record. Do you always work with the same collaborators? I have worked with many people in my career, and these people are people who knew more about a specific area than I did in the field of creating work, let's say. For example, working with Dan Neumann has been spectacular because Dan Neumann knows so much as a sound artist. He knows things that I don't know. And I like working with people that know things I don't know because it brings so much to the palette of colors that you can access. We started to work most closely at the invitation of the Friedman Gallery um, for me to make a video along with Compose the Music to the first installation of Broken Gargoyles. And we had about six weeks to do this. So for me, working on a video was something I'd never even thought of doing, never. I had a very great joy working on it. That was the beginning of the work. So that was 2.20. And then after that, I wanted to do the second installation. And the installation was shown in Hanover at the Capellin Leprosarium, which is the lepers lepers church it was lepers and plague victims church in hanover it's very old and and it worked it was the kind of space i want the work to be done in so this happened also recently in braga portugal and it was a monastery and this is the sort of space i want to honor the dead who had to suffer such abandonment by their families, by their wives, by the entire society, by the military, after being physically mutilated. And this, they believe, they, they should have much honor paid to them. I'm sure there's a great deal of honor paid to them, not a great deal, but a certain amount in Europe. But I want to add to that. I guess just the, wondering about live performance of it. Is that it, it, something that you're considering? At first, I wasn't thinking of the live performance because, again, I was in a position in which I could multi-track um, things that I had never worked with before. And, for example, you have a sound of fornicating bats and my voice, and curiously enough, my voice in their frequency sounds exactly like them when I do certain vocal work. And so what I did was I mixed my voice um, doing particular vocal experiments with their sound of fornicating bats and their vocal work. Wow. And it, it became a very interesting human bat interface. So there was a lot of that going on in the work. I became interested in that process. Now I am thinking about the live performance. I had performed Das Fieberspital, which was a, another piece, 25-minute piece. I performed that in, in Tasmania, and I performed it in other European countries. But that's a different piece. And I'd also performed an overall work called The Operation, 
of all of the poems, and that was an hour and a half piece. I performed that for the Grotowski Institute where I was working. But now I have to rethink all of it. And I would like to do that in an environment which would lend me the technology I'd like to use for live performance of this. So that way, that's the next phase. I'm so excited. I really want to be able to come see a show, and I wanted to make sure that our listeners know that they can find you now on social media. So you are at the Diamondagalas on Instagram, and your website is Diamondagalas, I think, dot com. I just want to make sure that people are looking out for hopefully what will be some of your live performances and your record, Broken Gargoyles, which is a must listen if you're out there. I just want to thank you again for the work you do in the world and how you use music and art to transform really difficult subjects into oral landscapes that are incredibly disturbing but give you a, just a peek into the experiences of these forgotten people. And so well, thank I, you for I, that. I want to thank you. Thank you very much. For thank you. Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields. 